0: Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, and I want to preach a message entitled, This is the victory. This is the victory in 1 John chapter 5. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you... Asking for those who are here in the sanctuary and those who are watching on Facebook Live. Do you believe in aliens? Do you believe in Bigfoot? Do you believe in crop circles? Do you believe in the Loch Ness Monster? Sasquatch, Bigfoot. Uh, There are books, there are conventions, there are documentaries, there are TV shows, there are photos, there are organizations, all dedicated to Bigfoot. By the way, if he is real, he is the greatest hide-and-seek participant in history. Amen? I mean, he is the greatest. Do you believe in those things? Do you believe if someone tells you, I saw Elvis... Uh, playing checkers outside of a Cracker Barrel in Boaz, Alabama, Uh, Boaz, Alabama, (laughs) not Boaz, Boaz, would you believe that? Would you believe that? You see, what we believe is very important. What you believe, and and we've been dealing with that all throughout this epistle, all throughout uh, this letter, we have been dealing with this subject of what do you believe? It is um, very important, and it is imperative that you know and that I know. Because it makes the difference between uh, life and death, spiritually, between heaven and hell. What do we truly believe? You see, John, and this will not be on the screen, but I want you to glance over at verse thirteen. In 1 John 5, and this is the theme, this is the motif of his letter, I believe. 1 John 5 and verse 13, it says this These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe. In the name of the Son of God. That's the theme that he lays out in this letter. And we have touched on that theme almost in every sermon uh, that we have looked at in this epistle. But what I want to do right now is look at our text, 1 John 5. And if you would allow your eyes to fall on verse 1, and I want to slowly read our text and in a moment mention to you two things that I pray will be a blessing this morning and and this week. Look at what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. Notice this, when we love God and keep his commandments, for this is the love of God. That we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory. Say that with me. And this is the victory. Say it like you really, really mean it. All right. Say it from the b- bottom of your heart. And this is the victory. John is laying this out, and he says this, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Whew, that's powerful. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. We praise you. God, I thank you so much for your word. Father, uh, Isaiah says that the flowers may fade, the grass may wither, but your word abides forever, and we praise you for that. Lord, as a family here, we have been walking through 1 John for a long time, and we're nearing the end And Father, as we near the end, He is uh, pulling a lot of things back together so that we will have an incredible, an incredible understanding of, of what He is talking about. So Father, I pray this morning for clarity of thought. I pray this morning for excellent recall of the things that I've studied. Those things that I have bathed in prayer. And we'll be very careful to give you the praise and the honor and the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are two things that I want you to notice in this passage of Scripture. First of all, we're going to look at the message. We're just going to look at, um, in a couple of verses, the message that he has been getting over um, to our hearts. Notice again in verse 1, it says this, whoever believes that Jesus is the christ is born of god now now this is the message that he is getting across whoever believes that in other words whoever listen church whoever has confidence <laughs> what was that oh the guitar <laughs> who <laughs> thought it was bigfoot there for a minute <laughs> whoever let's get back to the word you ready to get back to the word i'm a mighty man that didn't startle me at all whoever whoever believes that jesus is the christ is born of god that word believe means to have confidence in this truth it means to have been persuaded by the Word, really, uh, to this reality. Now, the reason that that John is dealing with this over and over and over is because of the false teachers that have infiltrated the early church. And, and they have been proclaiming untruths. And many in the church in that day uh, had began to doubt And so he is laying this out that that whoever believes that Jesus, and notice this, you ought to circle this in your Bible, that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. That Jesus not just was the Christ, but that Jesus is the Christ. That points to the truth of the resurrection. And when you look at that phrase, that Jesus is the Christ, let me tell you, church, why that is so powerful. Let me tell you what he is, he is saying with that little phrase right there. That we believe that Jesus is the Christ. That means that he is the anointed one. That he is God incarnate. That that he is the Messiah, that Jesus is the promised one, that Jesus is the one who was virgin born, that Jesus, get this, is God in the flesh. That you believe that. Now, when you look at the tense of that in the Greek language, it means this that you don't just believe it for a while but that you believe it and you continue to believe it. That is very important, that you believe it and you continue to believe it and that your life brings evidence to that very fact. Church, there is no such thing as an unbelieving believer. There's no such thing as an unbelieving believer. We are to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now, when I was growing up, I believed in the tooth fairy. Of course I did. I wondered why my tooth fairy gave me a dime and my friends, their tooth fairy gave them a dollar, but why mine had a cash flow problem, but I believed in the tooth fairy. But it didn't matter if I believe in the tooth fairy, but it does matter if I believe that Jesus is The Christ. I want to show you a passage of scripture. You'll see it on the screen in John chapter 1 beginning in verse 12 and 13. Listen to these words. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born, notice this, Notice this, who were born not of blood. Now, why did John the Apostle in his gospel write that? Born not of blood, because the Jews, all that they wanted to talk about were that they were sons of Abraham. And so he was saying, listen, it's not by blood. It's not that you're a son of Abraham or Isaac or Jacob. And he says this, nor of the will of the flesh. In other words, you can't grit your teeth. You you can't just hold on for dear life and and will yourself to be saved. Or the will of man. As much as I want for you to be saved, I can't will you to be saved. It is your choice. You can't grit your teeth and just turn over a new leaf. That's what he's saying there. Nor uh, of the will of the flesh. You can't just turn over... A new leaf. It is something that you respond to. Not something. It's someone. That you respond to. And his name is Jesus. That's why he continues here. It's not of blood. Nor of the will of the flesh. Nor of the will of man. But of God. It's of God that we believe. In God, That we believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now church, listen very carefully. And those who are watching on Facebook Live, listen very carefully. He's not just talking about an intellectual belief, but a belief that is very intimate. It's not just a head knowledge, but also a heart understanding and a heart assent. When you look at this, it is a belief that changes our behavior. The Bible says in James chapter 2 and verse 19, look at this incredible truth. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Listen, even the demons believe and tremble. When, When you look at that passage, it says even the demons believe. In other words, the demons have an intellectual belief. In one God. They know. Uh, they were there. After they were created. They know. And not only is it an intellectual belief. But they have an emotional attachment. And they tremble. And so what, what John is laying out. Is, is amazing. In this passage of scripture. He says. Whoever believes. You've come to this truth. That Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is God. That Jesus is deity. That Jesus is God in human flesh. If you've come to that truth, you are born of God. You are born again. You are born of God. And then notice what he continues to say here in verse 1 of our text. And everyone who loves him. Now notice this. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. You say, what does that mean? If you love the Father, you're going to love his children. That's what that means. Hey, Brother T. Hey, Brother T. I love you, man. I love you. But I can't stand Scooter. He gets on my nerves. How do you think I'd respond to that? Let me take you another. There you go. Let me take you another. Brother T, I love you, man. I tell you what, I've known you now for a long time. But I'm just, I can't, for some reason, I just cannot love Avery Kate and Emory Lane. I I just have trouble loving them. How do you think I'm going to respond to that? Those are fighting words. If you're visiting, those are my granddaughters, and they are perfect. All right? (laughs) So if you say, "Brother T, I love you, but I just I don't like your granddaughters. They just more they're irritating. Those yeah, those are fighting words." And what what John is saying is, "Listen, you can't say that you love the father and you don't love the children." It's not on your uh, on the screen, but in John thirteen thirty five, Jesus said this: "They're going to know that you are my disciples if you." are consistent in church. Is that what it says? They're going to know you're my disciples if you've been baptized. They're going to know you're my disciples if you are a member of White Oak Baptist Church. No. They're going to know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And so he continually lays this out. Church, we are all in the same family. Now I want you to look around. Uh, the the, the wolves, Those that are in here, just look around at each other. Just sort of look around. Aren't you glad we're not all the same? Look up here. Aren't you glad you're not like me? Don't say, man, whatever you do. But aren't you glad you're not like me? How many of you are from Tennessee? Let me see. You You were born in Tennessee. All right. How many of you were born in Georgia? How many of you were born in Alabama? How many of you were born in Florida? All right. Ten- all right. <laughs> How many of you were born in Texas? All right, wow, several of you were born in Texas. All right, we're going to stop, all right? And we're going to stop. But do you understand? We were born in different places. We come from different backgrounds. But we're all part of the family. We are all a part of the family. And, and what John is saying, and here is his message, that, that if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God... Something's going to take place. You are going to love those who the Father loves. And verse 2, notice this. By this we know that we love the children of God. Now, he's going to flip-flop this sort. He, he's coming full circle here. Notice what it says. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God when we fervently love God, when we passionately love God, when we are sold out uh, from the radiator to the tailpipe, when we are passionately in love with God. Notice what he says. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God. Do you remember those commercials many years ago? About Brill Cream, you remember Brill Cream? I'm taking us back way, way back. Do you remember their tagline? Brill Cream, a little what? A little dabba do ya? I guarantee you, a Baptist wrote that. I guarantee you. All right, a little dabba do you? That's we're gonna come to church and and let's just have a let's just have a little dab. And then we can head to Cracker Barrel or we can head somewhere else. Let's just have a little depth. Listen, have you ever noticed that, that, that when we do clap, it's a golf clap? It's just a golf clap. And we will never raise our hands like that. It's, it's almost like this. Oh, church, listen. Oh, when, when John is writing this, he's saying, by this we know That we love agape. We love the children of God when we passionately agape love. And when we keep, that word keep in the Greek means to observe. You ought to write that in the margin of your Bible. You say, preacher, I don't write in my Bible. Well, reach over there and write it in your neighbor's Bible. They don't care. All right? Write it in there. Observe. Observe His Commandments, it means to keep. There, there is an activity, there is an action there that we keep His commandments. Now, let me tell you, in the Greek, when you look at this, in the Greek, He's not necessarily talking about the Ten Commandments. He's talking about the Word of God, the totality of the Word of God. By the way, nine of the Ten Commandments are repeated in the New Testament the only one not repeated is to honor the Sabbath day. Uh, but, but here, this word commandments means the word of God. And so notice what he's saying. As children of God, we know that we love the children of God when we passionately love God and when we keep His commandments. That's the message. That's the message that he is getting across. And then we see, secondly, the motivation. The motivation. You'll find that beginning in verse 3 of our text. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Now, I want to encourage you to circle that word, keep, because it's a different Greek word. That word, keep, means to guard, to, to treasure, to And so when you look at that, the first word, keep, has to do with activity. The second word, keep, has to do with attitude. And so notice again, I'm going to pick it up in verse 2 and flow into verse 3. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep when we observe with action His commandments. For this is the love of God. He's going to get into a motivating factor here. This is the love of God that we keep, we guard, we treasure. There's a special attitude in our heart that goes along with it. We treasure His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. Church, that's an amazing word there. That that his commandments are not burdensome. There's so many people who say, you know what, I don't want to be a Christian because uh, Christians are all just a bunch of fuddy duds. I don't want to be a Christian because God is is nothing more than a cosmic killjoy. John is laying out that, that his commandments, listen, they're not burdensome. That word means this they're not cumbersome, they're not cruel. When you look at that word burdensome, it means that they're not difficult. They don't weigh you down. They're not severe. They're not hard to obey. They're they're not heavy. They're, They're not unreasonable. They're not burdensome. What he's doing is he's reminding them of the Pharisees and the scribes and what they were trying to proclaim. Take your Bible. This is not on the screen. But take your Bible and turn to Matthew 23. I want to show you something. Matthew 23. I wanted you to see it in your copy of God's Word. Look at verse 1. Matthew 23 and and verse 1. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to His disciples, saying, The scribes... And the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works. For they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens Hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. You see, John is just laying out this incredible truth that the Pharisees and the scribes were just legalistic in the way that they looked at things, they had made up a, a lot of man-made rules. The Sabbath was the most miserable day in that region because of those rules. I we will forget the very first time I went to Israel. The very first time. By the way, we're going back in January, next January. Um, I got into an elevator. If you've been here a long time, you've heard this. I got into an elevator... Um, and I began to punch the buttons to go to the next floor. I'm, I don't have any patience, so I'm punching buttons. And I realized that there are two men that were behind me in the elevator and they were not happy that I was punching the buttons. They were not happy at all. I thought, huh. So I was just punching away and it wasn't doing anything. All of a sudden the elevator closed and then it opened up on the next floor. Well, that's not the floor I was going to. And so I started punching the buttons again. And so behind me, I could not understand what they were saying. They were, they were just not happy. And so the doors closed, and it went to the next floor, and it opened back up. That was not my floor. So guess what I did? I started punching buttons again. And finally, I got to the floor I was going to, And as I walked off, I heard two words, and I understood those two words. Dumb American, that's the two words that I did hear, and I understood those words. So later that evening, I got to my guide, and I said, listen, this is my first time to Israel. I said, what in the world? Why did they call me a dumb American, and why? what happened to those elevators? And he said, preacher, it's the Sabbath, and there are Sabbath elevators that... If you touch the button, that is working on the Sabbath. And so they are programmed to open and programmed to close on every floor. I said, well, I did not know that. I've never made that mistake again the other times that I've been to Israel. I could tell you, I've read, I don't know how many words on this of, uh, of the legalism that they had put on the people. But yet they would not lift their own little finger. And what Jesus is saying is this. My commandments, he's saying it through John. My commandments are not burdensome. He had said it like this in Matthew 11 and verse 30. My yoke is easy and my burden is what? It's light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we think about the commandments of God, I will remind you of what the psalmist said in Psalm 1 and verses 1 and 2. Look at what it says here. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight... Notice this, church. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Isn't that a great word? Blessed, that in the Hebrew, that means happy, happy, happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. But listen, he delights in the law of the Lord. Charles Charles Finney put it like this. Charles Finney put it like this, A revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. That's what he said. A revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God, realizing that His laws are not burdensome. And then in the last two verses of our text, it, church, all listen, church, listen. It takes us to these motivating factors. Look at what it says in verse 4. for Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Now, four different times, John is going to use the Greek word Nike. We pronounce it Nike. All right? And the word means victory. You may want to put a little Nike swoosh above these two verses because four times he uses those, those words and, or a root of those words. Let me show you where they are in verse 4 and 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes. There's the first one, the world. And this is the victory. There's the second one, the Greek word, that has overcome the world our faith. And then in verse 5, who is he who overcomes? There's that fourth time. Nike or a a a derivative of that word. And it's Nike. It's victory. And so notice what he says here because it's incredible. For whatever, verse 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome. And you could put right there, because of the tense of this, we've overcome right now the world. We have overcome right now the world. How do we do that? Our faith. That's how we do it. With our faith. You see, that word overcome means to conquer and prevail. It means to subdue, to be victorious. And and it's in our faith. That is, when you look at that, that is in the past tense. And it points to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That that Jesus came and that he died and that he was buried. And three days later, up from the grave, he arose. That's our faith. And so when we as believers believe that, we have victory right now over the world. I want to remind you of what Jesus said in John 16 and verse 33. Look at what it says here. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus said that before the resurrection. He says, I've overcome the world. And when we place our faith in him, we are overcomers. He overcame so that we might overcome. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57. Paul said it like this, but thanks be to God who gives us the Nike, the Nike, the victory through how... Our Lord Jesus Christ. You've heard me say this over and over and over and over. Church, we are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory because Jesus has already won the victory and we are in Christ. That's a beautiful, beautiful thought. So verse 5 says it like this. Who is he? Who overcomes? Notice that's a a little W. He who overcomes the world. But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. He's coming all the way back to this truth yet again. Notice verse 5 again. Who is he who overcomes the world? In other words, right now. You say, preacher. Preacher. It sure doesn't look like it. Look at this world. Sure doesn't look like the believers overcoming. It's according to the way you look at it, how far down you want to look, and then also present as well. Look at what it says here Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You believe and you live according to that belief. That's why in Colossians chapter 2, I think it's in verse 6, Colossians 2 and verse 6, it says this, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, how, listen, how you do it, you walk in Him. You see, the key is the object of our faith, and the object of our faith is Jesus. Jesus. And then we walk in Him. Have you ever... I have never. I've seen videos of it. I would never want to be present when it happened. Some of you may have. Did any of your parents or grandparents take a chicken and wring its neck? I'm seeing a lot of this. Oh, I'd never want to see that. I mean, I mean, I'm a tough guy. Don't let the guitar fall and fool you, but I'm a I'm a tough guy. I'm a tough guy. I'm a tough, I keep saying it so I believe it. I'm a tough guy. But I'm telling you one, I, I'm telling you one thing. I would never want to be in a barnyard where somebody takes a chicken and wrings its head off. Because I've seen video And that's hard enough Because those chickens There are reports that they they run around for a couple of minutes Without a head Can you imagine? I mean just running around And flopping around And just flopping this way And flopping that way And that's where we get that statement Run around like a chicken With its head cut off So Son, let me say again, I don't ever want to see that in real life. But you know, I was thinking this morning on the way over here. That's Satan. For 2,000 years, he's been a chicken running around with his head cut off. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, the first gospel tract, Genesis 3 and verse 15... Do you you remember what it says there? Satan will bruise his heel, but Jesus will bruise his head. God has the complete victory. Satan's already a defeated foe. He's just running around like a chicken with his head cut off. He's running here and he's running there. I love what the Bible says 1 Corinthians 15 Oh death where is your sting Oh Hades where is your victory You know why death doesn't have a sting for the believer and Hades listen he it cannot claim victory you know why Because as believers we placed our faith in Christ and we have already won the victory That's what what John is saying in this letter. Who is he who overcomes right now the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe that? That Jesus is God. The deity of Christ. So you've won the victory. say, preacher, get back to Bigfoot. I believe in him. There are those that believe in Bigfoot that do not believe in Jesus. Church, listen to me. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. And our faith is that Jesus lived. He died. He was buried. And He rose again. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. We're going to have a time of invitation. This altar this morning is open. So our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. If you're here today and you have never given your heart to Christ, you're here today and you have never asked Jesus To be your Savior. This altar is open. Christians are praying. And you can come. You can take me by the hand and we'll be glad to share Christ with you. See, that's what's important. That you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And in believing, you overcome the world. If you're here today and you want to place your faith in Christ, I encourage you to come. If you're here today and you'd like to join this fellowship. Last week or the week before, we had someone walk down and join this church family. If you'd like to do that, we'd love to have you. If you just want to use an altar today, this altar is open. We sang about that. This altar is open. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, let's stand. And I'm going to pray. And right after I pray, we'll take a moment or two for you to to make a decision in your life. Lord Jesus, we love you. Father, we thank you so much that um, your word is alive and powerful. And God, I just pray today that as we have looked at these few verses, God, that we can feel your presence, the manifest presence of King Jesus. And God, I just ask in these next few moments that your kingdom work would be done in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. This altar is open. If you want to come and get on bended knee, the altar is open maybe you just need to come and pray I don't know maybe you want to come and give your heart to Christ someone at the altar right now has God spoken to your heart you just want to come and give your heart to Jesus or come and join this fellowship or come and get on bended knee and spend time with the Lord Father God, in the name of Jesus, we bow before you, Lord. We just pray that as we leave this church house and head to our house, that we would walk out of here so in love with Jesus that whoever we run into would know that there's a change in our lives because we had a collision with the King. Which in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Tell three people that you love them before you leave. See you next time.